Man, that is an unbelievable song. Whoever wrote that song knew God, I'll tell you that, and really knew the Bible. If you will, go with me back to Colossians chapter 1. You know, the Bible is an amazing book. It's not just another piece of literature. Uh, it's, a, it's divinely inspired. It's inerrant. It's infallible. And it's the Word of God. And I'm thankful that God doesn't change his mind about things. And Colossians is such a wonderful book. And I just want to dive right in where we left off uh, this morning, uh, talking about the, this gospel truth series of the gospel truth of the church. Let me begin reading in verse 9 and really just read through verse 11, because I'm sure that's as far as we'll probably get tonight if we get that far. Uh, would you stand, please, to give honor and reverence to the word? Hey, while you're standing, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for being a member of Prospect Baptist Church. Uh, those of you that aren't, thank you for being a member in the future. And um, <laughs> thank you for loving the Word of God and loving God and loving each other. And uh, that's what sets this place apart is um, the way that you and I, we as the body, function uh, letting Jesus Christ be the head and you and I be his children. He says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease, I'm in verse 9, to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I've dealt with the beginning of verse 10 this morning, that you might walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. And here's where we begin tonight. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. Father, tonight uh, we're hungry, we want to be fed uh, Lord, we're desperate. We want to meet with you. Thank you for what you did this morning. Uh, God, thank you for the people that are going to be baptized tonight, uh, that you have worked in their heart and drawn them and saved them, and now they're making their public profession of faith tonight. And I pray, God, as we hear the word, uh, that we would receive the word with meekness, that the implanted word could convert our souls, change the way we think, uh, change the way we live, that you really can get glory. Lord, it really is not us, but you. And so we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing, and you can be seated, please. Uh, we're talking about um, the gospel truth of the church. We've talked about how that God, um, in the first verses there, what we talked about is the how, how God enlightens us to the will of God. Then we begin this morning how God now enables, see, the will of God's got to be enlightened to me. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. We're not smart enough. Our intellect can never be educated enough to understand the will of God. It's got to come from the one who wrote it. He enlightens us. He, he enlightens my attitude. He enlightens my application of the word. Then we talked about this enablement to walk with God. I don't know about you, but I want to walk with God on a daily basis. And by the way, it's not a run. It's not a sprint. It is a daily walk where you're in a relationship with a person, the Lord Jesus. 
And we talked about this morning that the Bible says that you might walk, live, your conduct of living might be worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing. And so we talked about that we must be enabled by faith because faith is the only thing that pleases God. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so we, we, we dove into that in depth this morning. What is faith? What pleases God? It's faith. What is faith? It's my response to what God reveals from his word. It's my human response to really a divine revelation. Tonight, I want to talk to us about enabled for fruit. It's what the Bible says, being fruitful, we're in verse 10, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We're talking about enabled for fruit. Now hear this very carefully. God does not enable me for me. God enables us for him to be expressed through us by the fruit of our lives so that others can see that he's real and that his gospel is real. See, we know that a apple is a, an apple tree is an apple tree how? By the fruit it bears. And people know that Christ is real in us only by the fruit we bear. It's not by what we say. It's by what we do. Because fruit is an expression. It's not just words. And people know that Christ is not real in us by the fruit we bear. Jesus was getting ready to. Um, you, you already know this, but it works well in this enabling for fruit. John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, most people that know the Bible much better than I would say it's the last three to four hours as Jesus sat with the disciples and taught them before he transitioned the Passover over to the new covenant, which we call the Lord's Supper. And he said these words, the last words of Jesus. He said, abide in me and I in you. Now, I want you to notice carefully what it says. See, I think you need to read the, read the Bible slowly and thoroughly. It's not how much you read, it's you getting what it says. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. I would say that's enabling faith. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branch. See, you got to know your responsibility in this relationship with Christ. I'm not the head. I'm not the vine. I don't call the shots. I don't provide my own nourishment. I'm the branch. We're the branch. He's the vine. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And then these words, for without me, you can do nothing. I want to emphasize that again. For Jesus Christ said, without me, you can do how much? Absolutely nothing. So let's define the word fruit. That you might be fruitful in every good work 
increasing in the knowledge of God. Fruit, I would define fruit this way. It's the outward expression. It's an expression of this inward enabling work of Christ through the believer. In other words, Christ is in me, but if he can't get access to me to enable himself so that I cooperate by faith, there'll be no fruit because it's the outward expression of just this inward work, enabling work that God is doing us. So we need to give some definition to fruitful in every good work. See, fruit is the result of faith. The Bible's put together in a, uh, consecutively for a reason. So fruitfulness in every good work is the effect of this holy union that we have with Christ. It's unbelievable. And by the way, a person can't be fruitful until they're full of faith. So if you miss first base, faith, there's no way that there'll be fruit. I wrote this down in my notes. There is no excuse for any inactive, unfruitful Christian after all God has given us in Christ. Did you see the lyrics to the song that we just sang? And by the way, I didn't get with Monica and say, hey, I'm preaching about this. If you will do this song, I didn't do that. We don't do that. When was this song written? Do you know? Four years ago. It's unusual for today's music to have the doctrine that that song had. Heaven has no more to give. God has given us Everything that he is and everything that he'll ever be in Jesus Christ. And so there's no excuse for any believer to be inactive or unfruitful after all that God has given us in Jesus Christ. He's given us his son. You know, we were singing this morning that God has no rival yeah, he does. Humanity. The human heart, God will not, God will not make me a puppet. Every other creation of God humbles himself before him. And he took care of the devil at the cross. Humanity is where God gets pushback. And so there's no excuse. He's given us everything. But listen. For you and I to be fruitful. How many want to be fruitful in every good work? Man, I do. For us to be fruitful, God has to get access to you and me. I mean, we've got to let him do that. How does God get access to me? Well, I've got to be enabled by faith first. But then, listen, we need to define some terms. It's like the dictionary is changing today. It's in surrender and brokenness. And again, brokenness is not tears and, and emotion. Brokenness is just you and I being willing to allow God or Christ to be himself in us. And he chooses whatever he wants and we're willing to cooperate. Brokenness and surrender. Now the fruit in this text is defined in two ways. I think it's interesting. The first one is good works. He said that you might be fruitful in every good work. Now, don't confuse good works with the disciplines of the Christian life. 
In other words, good works is not my quiet time with God where I read and pray. That's not good works. That's just, that's just the relationship we have. Good works. The Bible teaches that God has cre- that God saved you for good works. It's what had created us for good works. So God in creation wanted to live his life through humanity. So he breathed into Adam the breath of life and Adam became a living soul. And I believe that Adam was in perfect fellowship and relationship with God without sin until he sinned. And because God created him with the ability to sin. And when he sinned, he died spiritually and he, he would eventually die physically. So in salvation, God puts back in what was forfeited and died at the fall. And now we have a relationship with Christ that he will bear, he will produce. We bear fruit. We don't produce it. We're a branch. We're not divine. Listen to how Ephesians says it. Man, I just love the word. It's unbelievable. He said, for by grace. That's enabling grace, by the way. That's what grace is. It enables you and I in, in, to respond to God. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we know salvation is not a good work. But we know that good works follow salvation. We would call that sanctification. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship. That's the, uh, that's the, the Greek word that means the English word. We're his poem. Look at what it says. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared that we should walk in them. So what are good works? Good works is, and I haven't always understood this teaching, but it's helped me. Won't y'all listen to me for just a second? It's helped me not to wear myself out with things that God's not up to. See, as a believer now, I'm responsible for one thing. I'm responsible to stay in a position where I can hear so that he can initiate so that I can obey. Used to, when when Missy and I first got converted, we just did everything because we thought, listen, I am not teaching passive Christianity. What I'm teaching is good works have to be initiated by God. You'll know when God wants you to do something. It's initiated by God. Good works are cooperated or appropriated by the believer. And then it's lived out for the glory of God, not even your own glory. And listen, friend, when God begins to work in somebody's life, let's just, let's just put it in the context of the church ministry. There are enough spiritual gifts in this church for the will of God to be absolutely done to the fullest. If people would just know what God wants them to do and where to plug in. But it seems like in the past, we've just said, hey, we need, listen, we've, I'm not saying we should not in, recruit volunteers for certain things, but I'm telling you, if you're a Christian, God has spiritually endowed you 
with the spiritual gift for you and I to serve the body of Christ. So good works is my spiritual gift in action because Christ has done something in me inwardly and I've heard him. He's initiated something and I've responded and now he's working through us for his glory. That's good works. But then the second, the second way that, uh, that this is described is spiritual growth. He said, and, which means it's continually tied to it, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So let's see if we can keep the progression of the text. As we are enlightened to the will of God, we are enabled for a walk with God, we become faith people, and God begins to use us, and he, he begins to express himself through us outwardly, then we begin to increase in the knowledge of God. I don't know that I've ever seen this before. In other words, please don't take offense. If God can't use you, there's no need for God to grow you. Because you don't grow for yourself. You grow for his glory. So we really don't grow spiritually to gain knowledge. Here's what the Bible says. Listen, should we know about God? You have to. But knowledge without application or practice puffs up and makes people proud spiritually. Like they... That's what the Gnostics were doing. They thought they had this superior knowledge, but there, were, there was no practice to what they said they knew. So we really don't grow spiritually to gain knowledge, but to put it to practice. So I asked myself a question in private with God. Why would God grow a Christian he cannot use to bear fruit for his glory? I want to say that or ask that question again. Why would God grow a Christian with knowledge that he can't use to bear fruit for his glory? Increasing in knowledge is in the context of God bearing fruit through us in Colossians. That's what I had never seen before. And so we need to understand why God grows Christians and gives us more knowledge of him. He grows us to get more access to us. You say, it sounds like that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Christian life. If that's what you're thinking, I'm communicating properly. That's exactly what I believe. I believe I'm a branch. I'm not the vine. And if I will abide in him and he abides in me, he said that he will produce and I can bear much fruit. So God grows us to get more access to us. So he, like the vine, can live through the branch to bring glory to himself. Amen. But then notice with me, we're going to deal with verse 11 tonight. Are y'all okay? Say amen. amen. Then there's an empowerment for the ways of God. Now listen, verse 11, let me read it to you. Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience, oh my, and long-suffering with joy, 
we, we just need to settle the issue. The ways of God are in contrary to the ways of man. The ways of God are contrary to my natural flesh and my humanity. I mean, I've said this to you before. God's not human. Jesus became human because humanity had sinned and humanity had to die. But God is not human. And as God enlightens our mind and fills us with his knowledge and enables us to walk by fruit, walk by fruit, walk by faith to bear fruit for his glory, then we come to receiving the ways of God that are contrary to human logic and worldly culture. Everything about God is contrary to the world. That's why I said don't be a friend of the world. Matter of fact, he said it this way, if you're a friend of the world, you're actually an enemy of God. Now, that's pretty strong language. And so the ways of God are, the ways of God is what sets us apart from the world. Folks, listen, we're to be different. We're, we're not supposed to fit in. And I'm not preaching legalism, I'm preaching life. Now, I don't believe in legalism. I don't believe in man-made rules and tradition, but I believe you've got the Spirit of God living in you that will always lead you away from the world and make Christ real to you so you can embrace the ways of God. Because that's what, see, there's, we ought to have different values of the world. We ought to have different priorities. We ought to have different lifestyles. But here again, I can't make this happen. Christ in me makes it happen. I mean, God has so, <laughs> or, I don't know if organized or orchestrated, orchestrated is the word, God has so orchestrated Christianity and taken pressure off us to perform and put it on his son and we are just to be in a position of faith and humility and weakness to embrace him. Praise the Lord. I searched just through the Bible. I like to, is there any other place the Bible would talk about the ways of God? And you know this, it's just a reminder. Isaiah, this in the Old Testament, Isaiah 55 would say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. And then he describes how polar opposite we are. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, I don't know how high that is. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So there's this empowerment to the ways of God. Notice with me there's strength to receive God's ways. Verse 11. He said, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. This implies the this implies the continual divine impartation of divine strength which comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is God empowering us with his strength. It's not my strength. I'm not just holding on. No. I've already made it. I've already overcome. I got the overcomer. So, the Bible does not teach for me to be strong in and of myself, but to live from the strength that God imparts to me when I'm enabled by faith and for fruit. It's a progressive teaching. And folks, listen, the only way to be strong 
is to become weak. You say, that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't. The only way to become strong is to become weak. God cannot strengthen people that are strong in their own strength. I don't want to be one of these guys, but most preachers can strut sitting down. I'm telling you, I, God knows my heart. I don't want to be that person. The apostle Paul was not that person. It's unbelievable. If you go over there to 2 Corinthians 12, this is about the ways of God. Paul didn't understand the ways of God. But listen to what he says. He said, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, he was lifted. I've seen something else this week I'd never seen. One translation says he was lifted to paradise, the third heaven. I was reading and just researching, and it's probably the same place that the thief on the cross went the day he died. Paul was lifted up to paradise. And he says, whether I was in the body or not, I don't know. He didn't understand. Listen, I don't understand. He said, whether I was in the body or not, I don't know. He said, but I got so much revelation from God. And he said, so that, let me just read what it says. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, parentheses, by God. A messenger of Satan. So God, <laughs> this is... This is the ways of God that we don't understand. By the way, if you've ever read the book of Job, you know who initiated that? It wasn't the devil. God said to the devil, hey, have you considered Job? Well, I hope he don't do me that way. He said there was a message of Satan to buffet me. You know what that means? To terrorize me and help me to understand my responsibility as a Christian. Lest I be exalted above measure. In other words, he's saying, lest I become proud in all this knowledge and revelation. He, I believe he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Some believe 12. We don't break fellowship on the number. We just know he's the major New Testament writer. And the Bible says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart. You know, there's speculation on what it was. Some believe, and I don't know what it was. I got an idea, but I don't know what it was. Some believe it was his eyes. It was physical because he said he wrote in such large letters. Some believe that it was the people at Corinth. The thorn were the people at Corinth that he had conflict with all the time. Others believe it was unbelief. I don't know what the thorn was, but I know it was from God. So God sent a thorn and he, he said, I, I pleaded with him three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace. What's grace? You know what he's saying? Paul, Jesus in you is sufficient. 
My grace is sufficient for you. Here's the ways of God. For my strength is made perfect or complete in weakness. So God shines the most through the life of the believer when we can't do anything. Wow. Therefore, I take pleasure. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Then he would write, I'm crucified with Christ. I figured out I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And now this life that I'm living in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's denying ourselves. How many of you like yourself? Listen, I'm going to be, I love myself. And you love yourself. But I have, if, if, if Christ is going to be my strength, I must deny myself. I must die to myself. And living from the strength of Jesus Christ that he empowers only happens when I get weak enough that God can fill me. God's not looking for what we can do for him. He's looking for somebody that he can do for them. But then notice there's stability to remain in God's ways. And he says, for all patience and long suffering with joy. Listen to what some people wrote about this phrase. Patience, <laughs> this is good, is bearing the ill will of people. Let me run that by you one more time. Patience is bearing the ill will of people. Here's what Stafford told me. He said, I could, he said, I could really walk with God if it wouldn't be for people. John, you remember him saying that? He said that over there in the old building. I mean, many times. He said, I could walk with God if it wouldn't be for people. Long-suffering is bearing evil. It's long-suffering. So patience is the temper which does not easily succumb under suffering. Long-suffering is self-restraint which does not retaliate to wrong. Let me illustrate. Have you ever been in a situation with a person or a situation and you know that you know, you knew that you were right? But God said, some of y'all need to learn that. Because that thing right there, I don't even like to touch it. It's burning me. Bible says that thing right there. That thing right there is on fire from hell. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? That thing right there. That thing right that little member. But the only way that that, that, that we can quote, <laughs> the only way that that can be controlled. It's not by me because I won't tell somebody off. Anybody else have that problem? 
but of Christ. Listen. But when you're spirit-filled and Christ is living in you, he restrains that. That's why you better walk in the spirit all the time or you'll get yourself in trouble with your mouth. I've been there. I've stuck my foot in my mouth many times standing right here. Not under the control of the spirit. So patience means no giving up. Long sufferance means no giving back. With joyful means no giving in. And we see this with Job. Boy, he had some great friends, didn't he? I mean, his wife said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, I can't. My Redeemer lives. Amen. Amen. Goodness. Stephen, you remember Stephen? Listen, one of the first deacons of the church, a preacher. And they stoned him. They were stoning him to death for the gospel. And here's what the Bible says. He looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing. I thought he was seated. He is until you need what you can't do. Then he stands up and he said, Father, he's talking to heaven. He wasn't talking to the people. Forgive these people. They don't even know what they're doing. That wasn't Stephen. That was Christ. Then you got Paul and Silas. You remember the jailhouse rock? Locked up for the gospel. It's about midnight. and They're praying and begin to sing. And God shook the place. Folks, listen, Jesus Christ is enough. But I have to want what I have and not want something I don't have so I can remain in the ways of God. The The safest place is the will of God. I'll give you a personal conviction and I'm finished. And we'll pick up in verse 12 about giving God thanks Sunday morning. Here's what I believe. I believe that when a Christian is in the will of God and you're walking in the Spirit, I believe there's a hedge put about you of protection and provision for everything you need. I praise God tonight for Jesus Christ. And if we could just let, this is the gospel truth of the church. If we would just let the head function through the body, we would see God in a total different fashion. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're being baptized, at this time, if you would, make your way to the baptistry. I need the cowards to come forward before you go to the baptistry. And listen, folks, could we just, uh, could we do something just where we, right here where we are tonight? Just at your seat. This altar's open and, but would you just, if you're physically able, you can come to the altar or just slip to your knees where you are. And could we just thank God for what he's given us in Christ? 
Listen, he's given us Christ to enlighten us for his will, to enable us for his walk, to empower us for his ways. Heaven has nothing else to give. God's not giving us anything else. Could we be thankful tonight just for Jesus Christ? Take a few minutes and do that.